Welcome to the Wallet Win Podcast. Each week, we take a look at a different piece of the personal finance puzzle. I'm Jonathan Texera. And I'm Amanda Texera. We're your guides on your journey to getting out of debt, building wealth, and changing the world through generosity. Here we go. Well, hey, Wallet Winners, I am so excited for you to join me in today's episode. We have our special guest, Kayla Sloan, joining us, and we are talking all about a very hot topic right now, becoming a virtual assistant. I know that so many of you have reached out about this as a feasible option for you to start earning money while you're staying home. And I am so excited to bring her and her expertise into this conversation so you can really decide if this is for you and something that you can get started doing. So Kayla, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you. Awesome. Well, before we get into, I know you have five points that you want to talk with, talk to our audience about today and just share the, about uh, how they could get started with this, but why don't we back the train up just a little bit and hear about your story because you weren't always a VA. So can you talk about how you got into this? Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to back it clear back up to 2012, which is back when I graduated from college with my four-year degree. And my degree was actually in animal science, which has absolutely nothing to do with anything (laughs) I've done since then. Right. (laughs) So that's always an interesting place to start. And people are usually kind of shocked, like, what? So um, I ended up getting a job as a credit analyst um, for an Mm. agricultural lender. So I was working a little bit in the ag field, which is what I studied in college. Um, but I was not enjoying my job at all. And I was also really struggling to make ends meet because I had student loans to pay off. I had Mm -hmm. taken on some credit card debt during college just with, you know, mindless overspending. And then I also bought a house at the age of 21. And so I had a mortgage to pay as well. Wow. And it just became a lot of pressure and stress um, trying to make all of those ends meet, which is when I turned to the personal finance blogging community and found everyone online who was talking about paying off debt and saving money and all of those type of things. Um, And this was in the end of 2012. Um, And it didn't it didn't take me long to realize that um, I needed to make some changes in my life with my finances. And so I actually decided to start my own blog, just, you know, documenting my journey with paying off debt. And throughout that process, I made several friends um, through blogging who I found out were making money from their blogs and Mm -hmm. also from offering freelance services. And at the time, I was like, okay, this kind of sounds like a scam. Is this for real? Right. <laughs> and, you know, just my my little radar went off like, okay, I'm going to need a lot more details before I decide if this is actually for real or not. Um, so I asked probably 500 questions of my good friend, Kat Alford, um, which I know you know her as well. I do. And she um, actually helped me get started working as a virtual assistant and was my first client back in the day. Oh, that's awesome. So very small world for sure. Um, And it's just been a whirlwind since then. It's definitely something I never thought I would do um, full time. And I ended up actually quitting my job because my business was making more money than my day job was paying me. Awesome. And now I have no debt other than the mortgage. So it's been an absolutely amazing journey. Wow. Okay. I mean, gosh, I know. I mean, so many people you know, when they hear about making money online, it sounds too good to be true, right? 
Yes. And mm-hmm. I know that that can be a barrier for so many people. They're sitting there thinking like, I don't want to, I want to work from home, mm-hmm. but everything with the word online attached to it can feel fishy or weird. Yes. Um, and especially when you were starting out, I feel like that was the tail beginning of like this becoming a thing where entrepreneurs are actually starting to make a living from their computers at home. Exactly. Yeah, it was very new back then. I had no idea what a virtual assistant was. I had never really heard the term. <laughs> and I was like, this sounds totally made up. So, Right. Did you have people kind of looking at you like, what are you doing? Or what what do you do? Oh, yes, definitely. I'm from a very, very small town. And so no one in my community understood what I was doing. I'm pretty sure that they thought I was like working on clickbait articles or something. <laughs> Just like something totally scammy, so. (laughs) Okay, well, we know that now this is a totally legitimate thing to do, to be a virtual assistant. And as there are more online businesses that are forming, the need for virtual assistants is only going up. Exactly. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, don't you think it's saturated at this point? And I'm like, honestly, no, because there are so many more online businesses that need so much more help. And there's a huge demand for virtual assistance because of that. Not to mention a lot of small local businesses are starting to use virtual assistance as well, rather yes. than hiring in office help. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's probably only just getting started. Because Mm -hmm. the age of, you know, online entrepreneurs is, it feels like it's been around forever, but it's more like a, it's like a decade, right? A solid decade. Mm -hmm. So we've Mm -hmm. got a long time ahead of us where this is going to be a growing industry. Yeah, I Um, agree. So, you know, you've got people that for whatever reason, they are wanting to earn an income from home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they've got kids and they mostly want to stay home. Maybe they have physical limitations or, you know, illnesses where they they just cannot be out of the house for so many hours a day. There could be a lot of reasons why somebody could want to earn a living but do it from home. What Mm -hmm. kind of are those first steps that you would suggest somebody look at if they want to check out becoming a virtual assistant? Yeah, the first thing I always recommend to people if they're thinking about becoming a virtual assistant is just taking a look inward, taking a look at themselves, what kind of skills do they already possess? Because Mm. I'll be honest, that's a thing that hangs up a lot of people who are thinking about getting started. They think that they have to be super technical. They have to have all these like high tech coding skills and all these things. And I'm like, honestly, you really just need a few simple things to get started, like a basic understanding of social media, of Um, possibly WordPress. If you've used it at all, if you haven't, that's okay. You can learn it. There's tons of free um, trainings and tools to teach you things like that. Um, Organization skills, administrative skills. If you've done any type of um, in-person secretarial work or administrative work, you can use those to get started as a virtual assistant and just know that you'll be applying those same types of skills, but in a virtual capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's so important because A lot of people, even people that are running businesses, the tech side of things hangs them up Mm -hmm. because a lot of these tools uh, are just brand new and a lot of people didn't learn how to use social media uh, or even WordPress that you mentioned Mm -hmm. or many of the other online tools growing Mm -hmm. up, but they're kind of having to learn them on the go. 
Yeah. But as long as you're somebody who's willing to learn and just put in the time to actually figure out getting it right, there's no reason you couldn't know how to do all of these things within time. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't have formal training before I got started. I was mostly just like, you know, I'm a quick learner. I can learn pretty much anything you put in front of me. And I have the confidence in myself to be able to say that. So I think that's really what it comes down to is being willing to learn, able to put in the work to learn things, and also having confidence in yourself enough to say like, look, I don't know everything, but I'm willing to learn it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't know, Kayla, if you've ever heard of the book Mindset. Uh, I have but, not. Oh, oh my gosh. It's a fascinating book. I highly recommend people reading it. It breaks down the differences between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people with a fixed mindset would say something like, I can't learn that. I don't know how to do that. I'm not smart. I'm not techie. But somebody with a growth mindset would say, I don't know it yet, but I will. Uh, you know, I just haven't figured it out, mm-hmm. but in time, I'll have it. I'll have it all down. And the differences between the two people is staggering. And we can actually, maybe you found yourself stuck at one point or another in that fixed mindset, but you can always change it. Mm -hmm. You can decide that. Exactly. All right. Maybe I haven't felt like I'm the techiest person, but am I willing to learn? That's really the more important factor in this equation. So yeah, I 100% agree. So somebody, Mm -hmm. maybe they're, they're willing to learn, they're willing to to kind of dive in the deep end and figure out all the online tools, uh, what would Mm -hmm. be that next step? The next step is really going to be to start looking for that very first client. And I know that sounds really scary to just go from like, okay, I can do this to I have to find my first client. That can sound like a huge leap. But the truth is that until you actually find someone who's willing to hire you and kind of take that first chance with you in that first step, you don't really have a business yet. You still just have kind of this idea and this hobby um, where you're you know, putting in time to learn these things. But in order to really make it into something that's making money, you have to find work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I usually tell people is to put it out there to um, people in their existing network that they already know. So that could be, you know, your friends and family. It could be friends of friends, things like that. Just letting them know that like, look, this is something I'm interested in getting started with. Do you need help with anything in your business if you have a business or do you know someone who does? And the reason I say to do it that way is because these people are already warm to you. They already know who you are. And so that's going to help them, you know, feel more comfortable giving you a chance if you've never done this type of work before. Um, And then I think the important thing, too, is to then take that experience and leverage that to find more clients down the road. Right. And that's really where you're going to get your experience and your testimonials. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember, gosh, a little over a year ago now. Uh, we had a gal approach us and basically just said, I want to start a virtual assistant business, but I've not worked with anybody. And I know that you guys are getting ready to adopt baby number three and you're probably really busy and drowning right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was right on all ends. Um, but she said, could I help you out for the next couple of months just to Mm -hmm. kind of get experience, Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that it probably, you know, won't be a thing. We might not work together long-term, but you'd at least help me start learning how to do things and get experience Mm -hmm. with this. And so we, we took her up on it and, you know, she didn't do 
heavy amounts of work for us, but she did do meaningful work in that couple of months. And, you know, she was then, you know, after that, she was able to go start her VA business. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect way to approach it is just exactly like that. Because to me, what's important too, and what I always tell um, students that I work with, because I do some one-on-one coaching um, for virtual assistants, and I have a training program for them as well. So what I'm always telling my students is that you have to approach it with a service-based mindset, right? Like Mm -hmm. not just being after it to make money or to, you know, make make a quick buck or find a job or whatever. It's more about like, finding those people who resonate with you. And if you find yourself resonating with these businesses, um, with these influencers, you know, that type of thing, like reach out to them personally and tell them how their business and how their work has impacted you and that you genuinely want to find out if you can help them. And that's going to go so much further than trying to be super salesy. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. And, you know, I, I felt safe knowing it was somebody that we actually knew. Mm Mm-hmm. And that just felt a thousand times better to us than, you know, going on a, a goose hunt of trying to find some random person on the internet. Exactly. We, you know, we didn't even know where to start at that point. We were mm-hmm. literally preparing to adopt and so we were drowning. So it was just the perfect, perfect fit at that moment in time. Um, okay, yeah. so if somebody, they're willing to learn, they now have kind of created a list of people they know or Mm -hmm. they think know somebody who they Mm -hmm. could make the introduction to, Mm -hmm. um, what's that next step they could take? So that next step is going to be to actually reach out and pitch them on your services. And just like we just talked about, you're going to want to do that in a warm and inviting and genuine way, not super salesy. And at the end, I always say something like, um, you know, if this isn't a fit for you, would you mind passing my name on to someone else? Mm -hmm. And that just continues to get you out there in front of more people. And really, this business is more about cultivating relationships than anything else. It's going to be about networking. It's going to be about talking to people. It's going to be about following up on those connections, which is huge. I can't emphasize that enough because so many people say, well, you know, I emailed five people and I didn't find my first client. Well, first, did you email five people and say, are you hiring? And if not, oh, well, type of Mm -hmm. thing. Or did you say, hey, if you're not hiring, do you know someone who might be? Yes. You know, and then did you follow up on those? And did you really work to cultivate that relationship with them so that they do know who you are and that they do trust you and that they are willing to pass your name on to other people, too? Or did you just approach it from a sales perspective? Right. Yes. And I'm sure that uh, not everybody, but most people can kind of sniff out what the motive is typically when mm-hmm. somebody is approaching them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just always going to feel more comfortable for maybe the person hiring and the person approaching if it's not, mm-hmm. the motive is not just purely, you know, a sale. You got You have to make some money, but mm-hmm. if it is out of that service approach that you had mentioned, it's always just better for all parties involved. Exactly. So then the next step is really going to be to start having those conversations with those potential clients after you've kind of gotten someone to agree to take that next step with you and figure out exactly what type of services you can offer to help them um, mm-hmm. using those skills you already you know, discovered about yourself earlier. And um, also then kind of setting your rates and making sure that it's a good fit for both people. Mm-hmm. And I know this is something where there's always a ton of questions. Like people always ask, you know, how much should I charge? How much can I charge? 
charge, that type of thing. So that's, you know, a big deal when it comes to being a virtual assistant. And what I usually tell people is that go into it knowing that your very first client may not be someone you work with long term. And it may be something where you do just gain more experience and thus you're charging a lower rate. And I think Mm -hmm. that's okay to start out with, especially if you leverage it in the correct way by having like a set time frame, like your VA did, where, you know, you only worked together for a couple of months. And so then she was able to move on to those clients having had more experience and being able to charge a higher rate to whomever she worked with next. Yes. Yeah. Would did you would you say that your rates as time has gone on, you shifted them? And how did you know it was time to make the next shift? Yeah, for sure. So back when I started in 2013, I was charging about $15 an hour. And since then, I have definitely increased my rates. I had to in order to make my business work um, yes. for me to take it full time and for me to now be able to say that I you know, have earned consistently $10,000 a month as a virtual assistant. You know, I couldn't do that at $15 an hour. That would be a crazy amount of work. (laughs) So you would just always work. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's definitely about increasing those rates over time. And it's not just about like arbitrarily doing it either. It's Mm -hmm. every time you get a new client, you know, you can charge a higher rate. They don't need to know what you've charged your first client versus what you're charging them, especially because you have gained new skills, you know how to use more tools, you have Mm -hmm. more efficiencies, and though all of those things garner a higher rate. Exactly. Right. And so now the the experience you're bringing into that next client is all the experience from all these past clients as well. Exactly. How long would you say it, um, it would take the average person to move from that maybe $15 an hour starting point to mm-hmm. charging those higher rates where it would allow them to do it full time or even just part time but provide a meaningful income for their family? Yeah. So for me personally, my first month as a virtual assistant, I was just doing it as a side hustle because I had um, a full-time job, as I mentioned earlier. And I made about $300 that month, um, which at the time felt really meaningful to me because I wanted Mm -hmm. to pay off debt. And I put that straight towards my debt. Um, And then 12 months later is when I actually quit my full-time job. So it took me about 12 months to go from earning $300 a month to earning about $2,500 a month as a virtual assistant. Awesome. Okay. So. And then, okay, yeah. And I think those amounts, yeah, they they can be super useful and helpful for whatever Mm -hmm. that next best financial goal is. Exactly. Yep, for sure. And I think it depends too. I mean, there are going to be some differences based on where you're specifically located. I mean, here in the Midwest, you know, that $2,500 goes a lot further than if you're in one of the major cities. So definitely keep that in mind too. Right. Somebody in like San Francisco, that's just paying rent. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Perks about the Midwest. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> okay, so um, somebody is, you know, they're kind of figured out their tr- their um, pricing point. How would you help them articulate maybe their, do you have like a resume you usually bring to clients or do you have um, a way of kind of organizing their skill set? Yeah, so um, when I work with my 
coaching students and the students in my training program, I actually have several like pitch templates that you can utilize to kind of help organize your thoughts and um, emphasize certain skills and services that you want to offer to potential clients. Mm -hmm. And those have been very, very helpful um, for me, but also for my students. And so they're definitely being put to good use. Um, Yeah. And then we also have like a standard like template letter you can use as well whenever you're getting ready to increase your rates with a current client as well. Awesome. Okay. Oh, so that can be a thing as well where you talk Mm -hmm. to a client you're already working with and maybe now you've gained all this experience, but now you're going to be raising your rates. Exactly. Yep. And that can happen too if you're taking on more responsibility or additional, Mm -hmm. um, you know, tasks and things like that within their business as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's totally appropriate. You don't just have to do this more and more and more work for for another business and keep your wages at the same rate. Exactly. If you can see, and especially in the online world, you can very easily see, okay, if this project goes this well, it's going to bring in this much more income for the business. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's pretty easy to see in a, a result of a VA's work helping a project and what that's going to be able to bring back in. Exactly. I always recommend that you utilize statistics and data to help kind of back up your case anytime Mm -hmm. you can, whether that's in pitching a new client or raising rates for the current client, because all of these online businesses are data driven, right? And there's easy access to all of that information since it is all online. Um, So that can be really something helpful and useful to work in your favor as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, I think we've covered four points if I haven't lost track so far. (laughs) Um, What is that last point, Kayla, of getting going? Yeah, so that last point is really going to be to make sure that you have set strong client boundaries and that you have a contract in place. Mm. And that's something that's really, really important because a contract is not only going to protect you as a virtual assistant, but it's also going to protect your client. It's going to make sure that you're both on the same page about everything from that rate you initially talked about and agreed to, Mm -hmm. to how many hours you're going to be working, when those hours may be taking place. You know, you can put in there specific office hours so you don't have some kind of crazy client like messaging you at midnight or something expecting a response. Um, You know, so the great thing about being a virtual assistant is that all of those things are within your control. You know, you just have to let your clients know what those boundaries are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. And I mean, that's good for you as I think in the online world, the t- I, there's an opportunity for it to almost like creep into your whole life because you're always on and available. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely know, struggled with that at first, mm, for sure. Yes. I know that now you t- actually take Fridays off, don't you? I do. Yes, I just started that this summer. And let me tell you, it's amazing. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, because initially I think every business owner has to go through that phase in the beginning when it's maybe it's a lot more work to get something established, but then you really Mm -hmm. start to get that payoff not only in the the income, but in that time freedom as Mm -hmm. things grow exponentially over time. 
I think that's something to um, talk about too, just really quickly, is that as a virtual assistant, you're not an employee. You actually are a business owner as well. So make sure that you're not, you know, degrading yourself and treating yourself as an employee and, you know, realize and recognize that you are in fact a business owner. So you do have control over a lot more of those things than you may initially realize. Right. And you, because yeah, you are setting up your own business and now Mm -hmm. you're contracting your services to clients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Instead of if you just worked for one company Mm -hmm. and were, yeah, an employee of that company. So that is a huge mindset shift to really make sure somebody sees and gets clear. And and then even from their own, you know, organizing their own business and taxes, etc., I'm sure Mm -hmm. you go into all of that inside your course of how to make sure you set this up properly. Yes, that is definitely something we touch on. Um, Actually, I shouldn't even say touch on. We do go into it pretty extensively, actually, because (laughs) they are really important. Right. Yes. So will you, before we wrap up here, um, can you go over just a little bit of like a day in the life of a VA and kind of what are some of those Uh, things someone might be finding themselves doing throughout the day as they work with different clients? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm going to kind of go over my day in the life as a VA, which uh, keep in mind may be very different from everyone else who is working as a VA because it can vary so much depending on what services you offer, what types of clients you work with, what your personal work schedule looks like as far as how much you work and when you work and all of those things. But for me personally, when I was doing this part-time, I mostly did it in the evenings and in the weekends because it was around my full-time job. Um, I do know a lot of my students are stay-at-home moms. They have young children, so they'll work a lot during nap time or after their kids are in bed in the evening hours. Um, And, you know, they reserve that daytime hours to be with their kids, which is great for them. Or they may do it when their kids are in preschool or, you know, half-day daycare or something like that, too. So. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the initial services and tasks that you'll be assigned to do, um, especially if you're just starting out as a brand new VA, may be pretty administrative based. So it could be things like checking and managing email inboxes to help the business owner kind of filter through messages. Um, I know a lot of business owners will get upwards of several hundred emails a day, um, and there's just no way that they can personally touch all of those. So as a VA, your job would be to kind of sort through those determine what's actually important for the business owner to see themselves and address all the other ones that you can, Um, possibly doing some social media interaction, either responding to comments and messages or scheduling out posts on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, all of those different platforms, Mm -hmm. which there are tools you can use for that as well. Um, Let's see what else is pretty, pretty big. Um, Possibly responding to comments and doing kind of customer service type work on their website, too, if they have a blog Mm -hmm. and get a lot of comments. Um, That's another huge one. Um, Helping with scheduling meetings and planning out for travel and events that may be coming up if they're doing any kind of special launch or um, speaking event or something like that. Um, So those are just some of the more basic things. Okay. Yeah. That sounds, yeah, very common. And again, you mentioned it might involve different types of things. Maybe somebody has a skill set in editing audio, mm-hmm. so they find a client mm-hmm. that has a podcast. That's right. Um, so it really can fit to where you want to take things. Um, but those are really, you know, good tasks as far as getting started that mm-hmm. you might be working on in those early days. 
Yeah, I think really it's just, I tell my students all the time, it's kind of like a game of dominoes, right? So after you land that very first client, it just gets so much easier because the rest of the dominoes in the line kind of fall over. It's just getting that first client to take that, you know, risk and that chance with you kind of, they think it's a risk, you know, it's probably not actually a risk, right? Because you're, you're qualified to do the work. They just don't know you yet. And they don't know your abilities yet if that's your first client, right? Yes. And then after you kind of knock over that first domino, it just gets a lot easier because you can leverage your testimonials and your experience and what you, you know, got your foot in the door doing, maybe some of those simple administrative tasks, but you can always grow into other skills and services that demand a higher value and a higher Mm -hmm. rate of pay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if somebody, um, you know, they've listened to all of these tips and they're nodding their head, lots of like, okay wow, I think I really could do that. All right, nap time, late nights or early mornings. Okay, I've got, you know, some hours in my in my week I could dedicate to this and I want to learn it. What would be mm-hmm. that next best step? Because going on an internet goose hunt is something nobody has time for anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is right. That is right for sure. Um, so I am on all of the social media platforms um, with my name, Kayla R. Sloan. And then um, my website's also a great place to reach out. If you have any questions, you can fill out the contact form. We'll get back to you for sure. Um, and that would be at kaylasloan.com. Okay. And you mentioned a couple different times uh, in the interview that you actually have a program where you will teach people how to get their VA business off the ground. Yes. So my flagship program is called 10K VA. And in that program, I teach you how to get started and how to earn as much as $10,000 per month working online. And um, there are details on my website about that, or you can go directly to the course um, to learn more information. It's at um, T-E-N-K-V-A.com. Awesome. Okay. Um, And would you say, I know that, I mean, $10,000 a month for most people, that's Mm life-changing, totally life-changing for many families and individuals that are that are working right now maybe even in you know they have student loans or they're working a job they don't feel passionate about that type of income would be just so huge for them um how long of a time frame would you say is reasonable to expect to get to something like that yeah so for me personally it took about two a little over two years to reach that level of income um with my business so i definitely don't ever want to frame it that it's something you can do overnight because that's absolutely not true um and i just definitely always want to be transparent and honest about that for sure okay so So, and i think okay so we talked about some creating something special for just our WalletWin podcast listeners. So if you go to walletwin.com slash 10kva, that's 10kva. Oh my gosh, my brain. <laughs> um, and I think, Kayla, you had mentioned there could be a coupon code just for our listeners. What can they, yes. what can they look for to type in? You can definitely use, um, definitely use, that sounded weird, whatever. <laughs> you can use the um, special coupon code WALLETWIN50 to get $50 off any of the products within the 10K VA suite of programs. Um, we are developing lots of new skill-based 
programs as well to teach you more of those skills and, and mm. tools and services if you want to expand your business as well. Or you can use it for the main program to learn all of those business basics about how to find and pitch clients and taxes and all of those other good things that we talked about earlier. Right. Okay. That is so generous of you. Thank you for providing that for our listeners. So head over to WalletWin.com slash 10KVA. And if you're interested in the programs and you just want to get started going with this and working your way to that 10K month as a VA, WalletWin50 will get you $50 off the program that you enroll in. Well, thank you so much again, Kayla, for joining me in this very important chat. And until next time, everybody, bye for now. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallowin program at wallowin.com. Music in this episode is from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week.